Take your Bible, if you would. Follow with me to the 53rd chapter of the great, wonderful, major prophet of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. I want to visit this powerful and wonderful chapter that is shunned by many, denied by many, as to the object of this chapter. We know that the chapter refers to the suffering servant. We know as we make our way through the chapter that the suffering servant that is mentioned here is none other than our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Powerful chapter. I almost feel like we should take our shoes off because we're standing on holy ground. This, in these verses, we see the personal Messiah, the Son of God, who alone can atone for our sin. If I was to break down the chapter for you, the chapter begins with the rejection of him and his message. Verse number two, his actual person is refused. His mission in verse number three is completely misunderstood. Nevertheless, through all of that, his vicarious suffering is seen in verses four through six that provides atonement. And though in verse number seven he suffers death, verse number eight he is buried, verse number, or verse number eight death, and verse number nine his burial. When you come to verses 10 through 12, he will ultimately be exalted. It will help us and bless us tonight to know that Jesus Christ is the central figure in this passage. To stumble in unbelief over the cornerstone and the foundation of all the gospel would be a tragic mistake. And so I just want to go through the chapter and I will read more of a meditation about the chapter. Let your eyes fall on the verses as I move to them. And I hope you see the Lord's death. I hope you see his broken body and his shed blood. The chapter opens with a with a exclamation. It's put in the reference of a question. But you read, who hath believed our report? Isaiah here is speaking for all the prophets and calls attention to the entire world's lack of faith and denial. He goes on in verse number one to talk about the arm of the Lord and who it is to be revealed. When you read the arm of the Lord, you find that the arm of the Lord is the emblem of divine power. It always is in the scripture. Jesus is referred to in verse number two as a tender plant. We are told that he will grow up before him. We're told that he is like a root out of a dry ground, which brings to that attestment that he's from the Davidic line, that he is the rightful heir to the throne. We're told in verse number two about the Lord Jesus that he has no form or comeliness. This speaks about his humble origin rather than maybe his personal appearance. The Bible says he hath no form nor comeliness. 
And when we shall see him, there's no beauty in him. Hard to believe. The word beauty there could be translated elegance. This description does not mean that he was, would be homely or ugly, but that he will not appear on the scene in the regalia of a king. I got news for you. He didn't come the first time in the regalia of a king. He's coming the second time in the regalia of a king. You read Revelation. Powerful. Isaiah is letting us know that when the Messiah would come, he would come with a commonness. He would come with a humility. He was not here to do his own will. He was here to do the will of the Father. So precious is this. When you come to verses 3 and five, through 5, the phrasing of these verses will just bring us to see the Lord in his brokenness. These verses provide a detailed description of his suffering. That's what the Lord Jesus wanted us to remember. He did not institute the table so that you and I would remember his life. He instituted the table so we would remember his death. There's a big difference in patterning your life after the life of Jesus as opposed to humbling yourself to be redeemed by the Lord. You will notice as you read verses 3 to 5 that the prophet uses a series of verbs to describe. The first verse he says is he is despised. That word despised is to disdain or to scorn He's not despised by us in this room and by us in this room tonight. He's loved, but when he came into the world, he was despised. Think about that. The king of glory. Think about all the angels that worshiped him. Think about all that heaven had exalted him. And he was willing to become a man to be despised. Rejected. Abandoned. Of men goes on to say that he was a man of sorrows. That word sorrows is the word that carries severe pain. He would know severe pains. He was acquainted with grief or injuries. I use that phrase often. You might be coming to the table of the Lord tonight with tremendous pain and tremendous grief. Different things bring pain and grief into your life. I want you to know that the, ta- the, the, the Savior that gave his life for you and the table you are invited to, he understands pain and grief. Isaiah, in writing about what would happen as he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Isaiah says we hid, as it were, our faces from him. This carries with it the idea that the description of Christ's suffering in the New Testament Gospels clearly indicates the severity of his physical suffering. Understand he died a awful death for you. And shoot him in the head and kill him quickly. They mocked him. They tortured him. And in the end, he laid down his own life. The severity of his physical suffering, the agony in the garden, his battered face, 
the severe scourging, the torture of the crucifixion itself, his substitutionary atonement is clearly, clearly taught. All of Pastor, why would they mistreat the Lord so bad? Because the payment of sin is horrific. And the payment for sin is horrific because our sin is horrific before God. You understand, God hates sin. He hath borne our griefs, our spiritual sickness. The New Testament says that he himself bare our sins in his own body on the tree. Isaiah said in verse number 3, we did, or verse number four, we did esteem him stricken, smitten, and afflicted. Each one of those words are powerful words. But here's what Isaiah says. Verse number four, we esteemed him stricken and smitten of who class? God. Isaiah says we, mankind in general, thought he was judged of God. Now think about that for a second. They were screaming, crucify him. They weren't just offering direction. It was a mob rage. We got a little bit of a picture of that in, in, in the streets of our nation, right? And sometimes you would see pictures with people so passionate and they're right in somebody's face and they're just screaming in their face. That, that was the energy that was coming forward toward the Lord. Why would they think he was stricken and smitten of God? Because in their mind, they were crucifying a blasphemer. How dare you say you can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. He's God. They, they thought he was getting his just due. Isaiah picking up on that comes into verse number 5. But he was wounded for, what are those two words? Our transgressions. Those of us that know the Lord and we come to the table tonight... We understand Jesus didn't die because he was a sinner. Jesus died because we are sinners. Jesus didn't die because somehow he had offended God. This was his father that broke through and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was stricken and smitten of God for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. Wounded is pierced through our transgressions, sins. The verb bruised translates meaning to be utterly crushed. Our iniquities, the Bible says. Iniquities means our moral evils. Chastisement carries the idea of correction or discipline. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. Our peace The only reason we have peace is that peace is procured by the Lord Jesus with God through his shedding of his blood on the cross. And with his stripes, we are healed. Verse 
6 and 7 make it very personal. All we like, say it class, have gone astray. This phrase is to illustrate the desperate condition of mankind. Lost and without a shepherd. That was me before I was saved. That was you before you were saved. That's every unsaved person today in the world. Lost without a shepherd. All and every are used in parallel, emphasizing the totality of sinful humanity. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Understand, the whole world's sin was laid upon the Lord Jesus. That phrase, laid on him, is a causative verb, meaning to strike violently. Thus, Christ propitiates the violent wrath of God for us. Just take that a second. The violent wrath of God that you deserve and I deserve was put on the Lord Jesus. That makes me want to say thank you, Jesus. That makes me want to say whatever you want me to do. That makes me want to say you have my life. The last thing that makes me want to do is sin, be rebellious, disobedient, struck violently. The fact that he opened not his mouth, verse number seven, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. It's illustrated. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. A lamb being brought to the slaughter, what a picture of the humility of the Lord Jesus. Not a dumb as in ignorant, but in humble. The Lord Jesus full well knew what he was doing when he went to the cross for you was not a surprise. It was not something he did not understand. In full faculty and capacity as God and man, he went to the cross for you. That should make you give your concentration right now. You shouldn't be thinking about what you're doing tonight. You shouldn't be thinking about your problem. When they offered him that that vinegar mixed with a mixture of that, that was a pain-deadening substance. He's thirsty. Give him something to drink. He smelled it, and he refused it. Why would he do that? Because he was concentrated on what he was doing. You know, if God's people would be as concentrated on Christ as he is with us, we'd be pretty good Christians. He was taken from prison and from judgment. This refers to the illegitimate trials to which Jesus was subjected to. You go on and read, who shall declare, who shall consider. His generation refers to his potential life. 
for the, for he was cut off out of the land of the living. The verb cut off refers to a violent death. Most people say, Pastor, I just want to die in my sleep. I don't want to feel any pain. I want to go into a hospice situation. I want to have a peaceful transition from this life to the next. Jesus died a violent death. The crucifixion between two thieves. He made his grave with the wicked. You understand that? He was rich in his death. He was buried in that rich man's tomb. Verses 10 to 12. I'll just read them. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to crush him. It had to be an offering for our sin. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The prolonging of his days means that the Lord Jesus' life would not end with a violent death. It implies a resurrection. The promise was from the Father that the Holy One would not see corruption. The Jews believe if you were dead four days, you were corrupt. Jesus said, hey, roll away that thing and let Lazarus out. No, Lord, we can't let Lazarus out. He's been dead four days. Not just physically, but there was a, a corruptness there that was unclean. The Father promised the Son, you won't see corruption. Which means three days up from the grave he arose. He shall see of the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. God, see the travail of his soul of his son and shall be satisfied. What satisfaction, Pastor? The satisfaction that our sin has been paid for. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. If that's you, would you say amen? Amen. You better be. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore... Will I divide him a portion with the great? And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Herein is the reading of Isaiah 53. Herein is the exaltation of the love of God And the violent death that Jesus paid so that you and I could have peace with God. I thought about how to finish this reading. And I came to the old hymn. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. I love this hymn. It forces us to look upon the cross. It forces me to look upon myself. Thinking about all that the Lord Jesus did for you. Take a moment and stand there and survey the wondrous cross. And I trust that you find a blessing in this hymn. Stand if you would please.
standing just a moment if you can if you were to go to Israel with me and we were to go to Gordon's Calvary which I believe is the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified today it's a bus station but you come into into the the garden and you walk around and you walk up and you sit there and you get a view of the place of the skull and because of the earthquakes and things the the mountainside is falling and you can kind of still see the nostrils a little bit in the eyes but not as clear as you could they preach to you right there about the calvary and then the person in the garden that leads the tour will say now turn over here and in the same garden not too far away is the tomb right so we've stood and we've surveyed the cross i want you just in your mind's eye to turn and look at the empty tomb. We do show the Lord's death tonight until he come. He paid the sacrifice for our sin. Now he's the shepherd of our soul. And I just kind of want you to feel the wonderful blessing to belong to him. So here's what we're going to do. You know it probably by heart. If you want to get your Bible, that's fine. I want to responsively read the 23rd song. Psalm, and we'll sing our final hymn. The 23rd Psalm just fits with the message this morning of the Lord being our shepherd. And as you come to the table tonight, I just want you to feel the blessing of belonging to the Lord, to feel the, the goodness of the shepherd that he is. And so I just thought I would remind you. I'll read verse 1. We'll read verse 2 together. I'll read verse 3. We'll read verse 4 together. I hope you have your Bible so you don't have to go, hmm, 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 The psalm begins, The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. You know what? Let's do the whole thing together. That'll be better than responding, right? We'll start over. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Stay standing now. In a moment you're coming to a very personal time at the table. I thought... Prior to going to Gordon's Calvary, we always go to the Garden of Gethsemane. You know the old hymn. Just let it stir in you. That beautiful relationship. Jesus said, as the Father knows me, I know you. What a joy. As He walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am His own. All three verses. Do your best. Oh, 
Powerful, wonderful. Be seated, if you would. The men are ready to disperse the elements. We will begin with the cracker that represents the broken body. When you receive your cup, do not pop the top and eat the cracker. Wait for all of us. As you receive your cup, you'll hear the organ playing by Brother Robert. This would be the time for you to talk to the Lord. For you to thank the Lord for His broken body. Thank the Lord for giving His life. This is the time where you personally humble yourself to make sure that things are right between you and the Lord. If there's anything between you, you want to give it up and surrender it so that you know confession and so that you would know forgiveness. A very soul-searching time. Then we will come back and then we will have our prayer and then we will partake of the bread. All right, God bless us as we do this.
this time I'll ask Brother Matt Melody if he will pray and thank the Lord Jesus for giving his body to be broken for us in remembrance of this. Lord Jesus, today we remember and we praise you and we thank you for surrendering your body for us. Lord, you were bound, you were nailed, you were pierced, you were scourged. And I was reminded in your word today, Lord, that that was all for us to be free. So, Lord, we, we remember that you were bound so that we could be free and that you were victorious. We praise you and give you thanks for that. And we also glorify the Father, Lord, for sending you on our behalf for us. In your name we pray, amen. The Bible says when he had given thanks, he break it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. God bless you as you partake of the symbol of the broken body. Scripture goes on to say, after the same manner also, he took the cup.
Bible says it is the blood of Jesus that cleanseth us from all our sin. He gave his all to cleanse us from all. Powerful and wonderful. Brother Bunny Buckner, I'd ask you to pray and thank God for the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus and thank you for the cleansing of the blood of the Lord for our sin. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you this evening for authoring salvation for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and dying on the cruel cross for our sins. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that because of your sacrifice, we can live. We can live more abundantly. Thank you for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the forgiveness of sins. And we, we do praise you tonight. I want to also thank you, Lord, for the promise that you have made, that you said you will not drink of this cup until you drink it with us in heaven. And we praise you. Thank you for all that you have done, and we just wait upon you now for those things that you will do in us. In Jesus' name. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me, let's take a moment and understand without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. God bless you as you partake of the cup. Should be a place in a pew for you to put your cup. I have been asked to ask you if you would take your cracker box home as a souvenir and don't shove it in the hymn book rack. (laughs) I think it is fair to say that COVID has made it very difficult to serve communion. But I'm so delighted that you are here. Thank you, gentlemen. You may be dismissed. The Bible says that when they went out, they sang a hymn that night. And we have a little chorus that we want to sing called, Thank You, Lord, for Saving My Soul. It's designed to just take us out of here with a spirit of thanksgiving. As you exit the building tonight, there's some pumpkin pie, some water, some coffee out there. I would encourage you to hang around, get you a piece, walk out and look at the beautiful parking lot and the lights. Just begin to rejoice in the goodness of God and all that He has done. Concentrate this week on thanking Him for His broken body and His shed blood. Stand if you would. God bless you. Thank you for coming to the table of the Lord tonight. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation. So God bless you, and happy Thanksgiving to all.